Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor hey this is denise harper my conversation with mandy contains content that is vulnerable and not suitable for children please continue when you can listen on your own or in appropriate company some of my favorite conversations have happened over the rims of mugs. I'm Denise Harper, co-host of The Morning Show with Bill and Denise, and program director for The Bridge. There's something special about sitting across the table from a friend, whether we've known them forever or for just a minute, with a good cup of coffee and an open heart. And hopefully, today's conversation will inspire and encourage you. Well, it is Always a pleasure to get to spend some time with you. And my guest today is a lady that I've known for a number of years. And sometimes I think it's interesting that we know people or we think that we know people, but everybody has a story Mm -hmm. and we don't always get to know each other's story. I have been honored to hear part of Mandy's story and uh, for purposes of just protection, we're just going to share Mandy's first name. But uh, Mandy, welcome to the conversation of Over the Rims of Mugs. Thank you so much, Denise, for having me. It's a delight to have you. Uh, You have served so many ways through the Bridge Street team and just helped the Ministry of the Bridge. And not very long ago, I found out that you have had some really, really difficult things to overcome. And God is maybe even still orchestrating some of those things and helping you, but you've had amazing healing in those areas. And we want to talk today about human trafficking. This is a difficult subject, but it happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I first started learning more about it was when Zoe Ministries was coming to the Delaware area. And I thought, well, that only happens (laughs) in large cities or like way far away from here. And I have discovered that it happens sometimes right in our own neighborhoods. Yep. And so it's important to learn. But I wondered, Mandy, if you would share your story with us today. Absolutely. And thank you so much for um, having me because it is a very important topic. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was raised in a atheist home. So um, the Lord was forbidden Um, In our home, um, my biological father was in the Army, and my biological mother was a stay-at-home mom. Um, I'm the oldest of 26 siblings, Mm. and um, we were raised um, down south um, in the mountains in a very compound-like community, and I think that was strategic Mm. um, because it was sheltered from everyone. Mm. So... Um, I was born in the 80s, and starting at the age of two is when my biological father started grooming me for sexual exploitation. Mm. Um, So I was abused by him from as long as I can remember. All the girls were in our our home, 
and uh, starting around at the age of five um, is when he started preparing me to be auctioned off to men. Mm. Um, And because we lived in a compound community, there was dozens of families that lived in this community and everyone lived that way. So I assumed this is how people live. Like, that's all I knew. That's all you knew. Yep. Mm. So starting around um, the age of eight, um, they treated me to a trip to Disney World. And that was very strategic on their part because it was, let's show her something good before all of the horror would take place to come. Um, So, you know, growing up, I was only in that community, didn't see outside people. It was only the people in that community. So going to Disney World, it was stimulus overload. Mm. Um, And so went there for a week. And that was at the age of eight. And then when we came home, the way that my family did things is every Sunday, we would march through the woods down a very narrow path into a barn. The barn had pedestals for us girls to stand on. And we would be auctioned off to the highest bidder every week. Mm -hmm. So we didn't know who we would leave with that week. It would be a different person each and every week. Wow. Yeah. And so you stayed with that person and then they brought you back? Yeah. So it was Sunday through Saturday and then go back to my family's home Saturday evening and Sunday the cycle would start all over again. Hmm. So that was week in, week out, every single week for years. And I was called the rebel child growing up and knowing what I know now it was the Holy Spirit convicting me at that young age that this is wrong Mm. because I was always the last to be bought because the buyer said I had a, I didn't do what I was told and I fought every step of the way. Wow. You had a will to survive. Yeah. Yeah. Fight or flight. Yep. This went on. I was beaten when I didn't comply. Arms broken, legs broken, didn't have any medical care. Um, We were homeschooled, but we weren't homeschooled in the traditional sense. um, We were just taught about abuse. So it wasn't, I didn't have very little education. So that went on from age eight to age 12. And same thing, week after week, march through the woods, get sent home with that person. Um, Because my biological father was in the army, he got stationed in Maryland. So we moved from um, down south to Maryland. Mm-hmm. And at that time, in, in 1993, homeschooling was not an option in Maryland. So I got put in public school for the first time mm. at age 13. And what was that like for you? It was very strange. And it was, you know, in traditional sense, most of the time, we're taught, you know, if you're in that situ- in a trafficking situation, you're taught don't talk to authority, don't talk. But I think my parents thought that they were above the law. You know, hmm. my biological father is a general in the army. He's going to work every day, serving our country. And who knew what was going on behind closed doors for hmm. 10 plus years. So when you moved to Maryland, you said you were one of 26 siblings. All of those siblings came with you? Correct. Wow. Yeah. So all of the girls, we were, you know, auctioned. Um, and the boys, 
they were being groomed to then be the traffickers. So that, that was how that they were being groomed. Um, so all of us girls, we would be sent with families, but the boys were being groomed to then when they went into adulthood, they would then turn in to be the traffickers. Mm. So about six months into being in school, counselor brought me into the office and was like, you're very withdrawn, you know, what do your parents do for work? And I just said, my parents sell, sell me for sex every week. Mm. And I didn't know it was wrong at the time. So they immediately called Child Protective Services, and I was rescued and put into foster care, but that's not where it ends. So, the, mm-hmm. How old the, were you at that point? 14. 14, okay. So 1994, and they put me in a juvenile detention center. And at the time, back in 1994, you know, they questioned all of the other children, and all the other children said, no, nothing has happened. So they were sent back home. Mm. And I had an option to either stay in juvenile detention, which was like a jail, until I was 18 years old, or they would send me to France. So they shipped me off. No counseling, no nothing. So it was either sit in a prison cell for four years, or they said, oh, you can go live with a family in another country, and, you know, you can be outside. And, of course, what, what's, who's going to choose that? You know, who's mm-hmm. going to choose sit in a prison cell for, right. for four years? There were no services back then. So they shipped me off to France. <laughs> Why France? Um, Do you have any idea? I have no idea. All okay. I know, it was a foreign exchange program. Uh, and that okay. was where, that was the opening. So, gotcha. How long were you in France? Till I was eighteen. Okay, four years. And what was that situation like? What was um, life like for you there? It was very different. It was, you know, two parent household, and I didn't really know how to react because I was so withdrawn. Mm-hmm. And it was all right. Now you're just going to be part of this happy family. When here it is, I felt like I was dying inside. Yes. Wow. All the broken pieces. Yeah. So what happened once you turned 18? They said, okay, now you're going to go back to the United States. The foster care worker picked me up at the airport. I had, you know, one bag of clothes. And they said, here's your $200. You're an adult. Live life. Oh, my word. (laughs) Mandy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I graduated high school. I had that, I had a diploma, for you. but no counseling, no services, and depression every single day. Mm. And here it is, I'm supposed to be an adult and live life. So it was either go back to my biological mother's home or try to find shelter somewhere. What am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting a waitress job at a diner and ended up, this was rent, run by a Muslim family, and I ended up marrying a 50-year-old man at age 50. I mean, at age 18, and he was 50, because that's all I knew. Mm. Okay, yeah. he was going to, he. oh, I love you. I'm going to protect you. He was going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. And it was better than, I was like, oh, well, or I'd go back to my biological mother's home where the cycle would probably start again, or I sleep yeah. on the street. Yeah. That was what, that's the option I had. Wow. And so... How did that go? Hmm. Well, it was a different type of abuse. So 
I went from atheism to now I'm practicing Muslim. And he controlled me, you know, beat me every day. And we ended up moving to New York City and ended up running another business that they owned. And so this was in 1999. And we lived there for about a year and a half and controlled. So it was a different type of control because mm-hmm. now I'm a wife. In their culture, the firstborn children must be male to carry on the Muslim culture. And I kept getting pregnant and kept getting pregnant with females. Mm. So I was beaten to be forced to miscarry. And so I ended up having about 12 miscarriages. Then I got pregnant with twins. um, And they were twin girls. And he beat me. And I wasn't miscarrying. um, So I got to 24 weeks. About 20 weeks, the one of the twins' heartbeat had stopped, but they said the other one had a heartbeat, so we we're going to continue with the pregnancy. At 24 weeks, I delivered, and because she was a girl, he convinced me to take off life support because that was against their culture. So mm-hmm. um, I let her go at four days old. So mm-hmm. May 9th, um, 2001 is when she was born, and she passed on Mother's Day, May 13th, 2001. Oh. So she would have been 21 this year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But knowing what I know now, she's with the Lord. Yeah. And she didn't have to grow up in all of that abuse that would come after. Mm. And so that was in New York City still. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you get out of that yeah. relationship? How did you get out of that situation? So that was May 2001. As we all know, September mm-hmm. came and 9-11 came. And the morning of 9-11, I woke up with the flu. So I should have been at work in the World Trade Center that morning Mm -hmm. in the deli. And God's grace gave me the flu that morning. Wow. And, you know, I saw everything happening in New York on Mm 9-11, towers coming down. But I was home, sick in bed with the flu. And so I escaped that night and drove down 95 I was always taught, if you leave, you will die. That was what he had always told me. So he followed me into Delaware. As soon as I got over the Delaware Memorial Bridge, he had researched that Delaware had a very easy law that it was easier for him to get if he was going to attempt anything, that Delaware would be the state to do it. So he um, shot out the tires in my car, pulled me out of the vehicle and shot me and called the police and told them that I just killed my wife. Mm. But here I am. Uh, the Lord kept me. I went into a, a rehab center. I was in a coma for 19 months as I recovered from mm. all of the wounds. So fast forward 18 months. And I woke up and we went to trial. And he had a very, very good lawyer. And his defense was, in my culture, if the woman tries to leave, I have the right to kill her. And he was found not guilty. How did that make you feel? I mean, you already have been wounded so much in your life. Yeah. Defeated by the system because, you know, yes, my biological father went to prison, but he wasn't charged with everything that he did. It was a very minimal charges. The foster care system sent me off to another country Mm -hmm. and then coming home. And here it is again. 
I have no voice. Mm. So I was being silenced over and over again. Yeah. So what happened from there? So from there, I feared for my life every day because here it is now he's on the street. So they kept him while I was in that coma. So as soon as he was found not guilty on the streets, no help from anyone. Like what's to say he's not going to come and do Mm -hmm. it again. So I ended up back at my biological mother's home. Like, where am I going to go? Mm -hmm. So I ended up back there and you know, she tried to, here it is now I'm a 24 year old woman. Mm -hmm. So I have a voice that I can say no. She tried to traffic again And I refused. And I said, if I'm going to live here, I'm not going to live that way. Mm. And so depression, thoughts of suicide every single day. And I tried. And many times the Lord, even though now I see it, the Lord was keeping me for a purpose. Mm. And I ended up just driving one day and ended up in Bridgeville at the Apple Scrapple Festival. <laughs> uh, we were living in Maryland, and I was like, I just need to get away for the day. Yeah. And I ended up at the Apple Scrapple Festival and walking around the booths, and it was, you know, I ended up meeting the, this family that were running a produce stand, and they said, I want to invite you to church. And I was like, mm no church for me. Like, but no, just please come. So I went. But I had to go in secret because I was still living in an atheist home. Mm. So for a couple of weeks, I was going to church in secret. I was like, I can't keep doing this. I'm hearing about the love of God. But here is I'm going back and I'm lying to my family where I'm going. And, you know, so ended up at a revival service and met a uh, some musical evangelists and um, at the end, they gave a salvation story, uh, call, and I ended up at the altar. So that mm-hmm. was March 21st, 2004, and I was just wailing, yeah. uh, just all of the release. Mm. And so I gave my heart to the Lord March 21st, 2004, and I was excited. Like I'm like, I'm going to go save my family. Like, mm-hmm. look what Jesus did for me. So I walked, went home and told them, like, look, you can be saved and you can have this new life. And they said, you can choose your Jesus or you can walk out the door. So I chose Jesus. I walked out the door and that's the last time I've seen my family. But you had to choose Jesus. We had to, yeah. I mean, of all the things that you have experienced in your life to that point, love rescues us at our deepest, darkest moments. And I just can't imagine turning away once you've once you've experienced the love of God right yeah and it's you know and it's not roses and rainbows from there because then I had to learn so I started seeking out counseling and I went through 26 counselors and Mm. they said you can't go and tell people that you've been sold like you were a glorified Mm. prostitute Mm. and so I just went counselor to counselor and so finally I said who's the ultimate counselor is the Lord. So I let the Lord counsel me for several years, Mm -hmm. still had thoughts of suicide because it's, you know, I I had Jesus, um, but I I still had all of that internal pain that I had to unravel, got involved in the local church and serving. Um, I moved to Delaware in 2008 and joined a church in Dover, um, which is where I met my husband. Um, We met in 2009 and married in 2011. We just celebrated 10 years of marriage, but still 
I had so much pain, you know, because I was thought, who was going to marry someone that's been with thousands of men? Because that's mm. what I thought in my mind. And that's what the enemy wanted me to think. Sure. Like, you know, um, here it is. I'm marrying someone that has lived a Christian life since he's been 14 years old. And now I'm going to, I'm going to come into this. And so was the enemy just trying to yeah. railroad my thoughts. And I just kept allowing the Lord to counsel me. But I put on that mask. I met people every day, put on a smile every day, mm -hmm. and then went home and cried every night. Yeah. So um, I just continued putting those thoughts deeper and deeper for years. If I stayed busy, the thoughts mm. won't be there. So I just stayed busy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then the pandemic happened. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so then I don't have people. I'm stuck. Isolation. Stu here, mm -hmm. yep, back in isolation, mm -hmm. stuck in my house. And October of 2020 came, and I had a plan to take my life. So I went to the Wawa parking lot in Dover and was writing out my suicide note um, in my car. And something popped up on my phone and said, there's a human trafficking simulcast happening in 30 minutes next door to this Wawa. Mm. And the enemy was like, why do you want to go there? Like, you don't want to go there. And at this, up to this point, I kept that to myself. And I'm like, really? So there's organizations out there that could help? Because I kept getting told, like, no, this was an isolated inst incident. Mm -hmm. Like, what happened to you doesn't happen to other people. And mm -hmm. so the Lord kept saying, go. Just go and trust me. Yeah. So I went and I sat and I listened. And that is when I got introduced to Yolanda with Zoe Ministries. Mm -hmm. And at the end, you know, I went and talked to her and she was like, can I give you a hug? And that was where my redemption started. Mm. I can not even imagine what that must have felt like to be embraced mm. by someone who just who knew your whole story or knew, knew your, you know, the story that where you were coming from. Yeah. And still just wanted to hold you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, isolation all that time Yeah, and just human touch. I think that's what we craved, you know, cause here we are, we sure. were what nine months into the pandemic. So ended up talking with her the next week and started counseling mm -hmm. about two weeks later. And the redemption has been like a 360, like, mm where my life was then to where my life is now is um, unrecognizable. Mm -hmm. um, I was able to, in April 2021, to go back to that plantation where I grew up and walked that property. Oh, wow. And the Lord spoke audibly that day, two hours of just wisdom and healing. Mm -hmm. He gave me a letter from my daughter in heaven and since then, I mean, I, I went to Sandy Cove for a women's retreat last year and ended up walking to a lighthouse and had a flashback of that's where beatings took place. And then, but there, here I am standing, a redeemed daughter of the Lord, mm -hmm. totally changed. It's been a journey, but it's something mm -hmm. that I wouldn't trade because it's really taught me. That trip back to that area that you grew up in was that a healing for you to be 
in that place and realize that it doesn't have power over you. Yeah, I walked that path, same path to that mm-hmm. barn, and the barn was run down. It was in shambles, and I think that's very symbolic because that's how my life was then. Mm. And look where I am now. I walked out onto the field. The house that I lived in was no longer there, but it was a bright, bright, sunny day. And at the end, as I was leaving that property and leaving everything that happened there, there was no gray clouds, but a rainbow came up over that property. Hmm. And I think that was just from the Lord saying, I've always been with you. Yeah. His promise. Mm-hmm. A sign of his promise. So coming to know the Lord, how has that impacted you being able to make sense of some of this that's happened in your life? Uh, I think it's just evil's always been there, you know, I mean, but the Lord, I had that God seed in me mm-hmm. from the time I was born and he mm-hmm. continued to water it. And as soon as I said yes to him, there his arms were. Mm-hmm. It's not, I didn't have to, you know, work for it or, you know, change myself before coming to him. And really it's just having the comfort of our Lord mm-hmm. to be there when so people failed me over and over again. Yeah. Are there still times, are there triggers, are there things oh. that you have to be careful of? Yes, flashbacks, I still have it. I mean, I really had to learn, um, you know, because when I started counseling, it was, I didn't realize how much deep-rooted pain I had until mm-hmm. I started to unravel all of that. Yeah. But now, 18 months in, I'm really just starting to learn, you know, how to manage that and how to ask for help because I, I didn't have that before. So mm-hmm. if I have something, I can call someone, I can, you know, reach out for help and not get to that deep, dark place again. Mm-hmm. And they come. I mean, it, it will always be there. Mm-hmm. But it's learning how to manage it and retraining your my thought patterns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Knowing God's promises yeah. too for you. Yeah. And knowing that I can be a light and a hope to someone else because I know that's what I needed when I was in that dark spot. Yeah. How about your husband? You've been, so you've been married 10 years. Yeah. That's beautiful. Is there a need for a spouse or a family member to actually go through counseling along, not maybe not with you, but uh, has that been part of his story? Not necessarily. You know, he has been very supportive. I mean, because at the beginning, I was very open and honest. This is where I came from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he just said, you know, I love you as you are. Mm-hmm. And no matter what happened in your past, that was your past. Yeah. And whatever I need, you know, he's there. It's mm-hmm. just very encouraging. And, you know, if you need the space, you need the space. But I have learned, he hasn't been through counseling himself, but I have learned tips and tricks through my counselor. Mm-hmm on how I can speak to him on what what I need in a Mm -hmm. specific moment, if I'm having a trigger or if I'm having a flashback on how he can help me. Yeah. Beautiful picture of Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That he is to you. Mm -hmm. That's precious. I'm I'm just reminded of Jeremiah 29, 11 that says, for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a future and hope. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just feel like that's such uh, a big part of your story 
because now you are you're I, I think you're I've, what I'm hearing is your heart is that you could help others yeah who have been in this situation how how long has it been since you started telling your story like outside of because all your life you were told don't tell anyone uh november of 2021 so i, I spoke at an event with um zoe ministries their end of year event um and then i spoke at a church in lewis this past december does it feel freeing to you yeah so freeing so healing several years ago i had some churches ask me to speak um and i wasn't in that place mm-hmm. so it was a downward spiral so i think because I didn't have the healing then. Mm-hmm. So because I had that foundation of healing, now this this time was much different. Mm-hmm. It was just speaking on God's goodness and his hope. And it was it's allowing me to just help others. I mean, that's been in the last year mm-hmm. is just to help yeah. and give hope. Yeah. And so I just got accepted to Liberty University and I'm going to go for trauma counseling so I can just give back. So there's no women that have to feel what I felt or mm. walk that path of 15 years of no healing. Mm-hmm. You're seen now. Mm, yeah. And you're loved. Yeah. Really loved. I may not have a biological family, but I have a family in Christ. And I have so many people that I call family that it's, mm-hmm. I don't miss that. Yeah. What would you say? to the woman who's listening right now that has had that as part of her story and has been afraid to speak out or to reach out for help? Just find someone you trust and don't allow the enemy to silence your voice because that's that's what he wants to do. He wants My voice was silenced for mm. 23 years. Don't allow your voice to be silenced there are resources, there's people out there, but find someone you trust and just be open to whatever the Lord has for you because he has a mighty purpose for your life. Mm -hmm. Amen. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Over the Rims of Mugs, made possible by Iconic Sparkle. Get fun and fashionable accessories such as necklaces, earrings, and bracelets that can go with any outfit for any occasion for just $5. Owner Mandy Heinch desires to change the world through her accessories and what it allows her to offer. Fashion accessory advice, boosting confidence, and training those who want to start their own business. Learn more at IconicSparkle.com or on their app. I asked if your counselor would join you today in the studio so that we could find out a little bit more about Zoe Ministries. And uh, we will include information, contact information in our show notes for anyone who might need that. Uh, Sharon Stevens in the studio. And Sharon, I know that uh, you, you were sharing before we started that you've been working for a number of years with Zoe Ministries. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, so um, I actually met Yolanda Slayball through our kids at school, and that was back in 2012, and it was immediately after that that God put this calling on her uh, to to develop Zoe Ministries and go into anti-human trafficking efforts. So I immediately just became her prayer partner. And so we've been walking that journey for years and it wasn't until probably i'm not even sure when but i think it was 2018 or 2019 
that I officially came into Zoe. Mm-hmm. Um, I was determined not to do that just as her friend, right? <laughs> I wanted to make sure that was of God, and yeah. he made that very clear mm-hmm. uh, during that time period. So, What's it been like for you personally to be part of uh, helping somebody else kind of go through the healing process and put the pieces of the puzzle together? Wow, it, it's a it's a humbling place to be because we don't have all the answers. You know, even though this is what God's called us to do, it is a step-by-step following of what He has for us to do. And so as we walk next to you know, Mandy and and different uh, survivors, um, it, is, it is empowering, mm-hmm. it is humbling, it is heartbreaking, it is victorious, it is all those things and, and so much more wrapped mm-hmm. into one. And it's an experience that I'm, I'm grateful to have. It's difficult. Yeah. Um, but, but very grateful to be in a place of, of offering at least some type of help. Was it a surprise to you that human trafficking is happening everywhere? We tend to think that it's in another country or it's right. in the inner cities, that yes. it could be happening in Delaware, Maryland, Yes. New Jersey. Um, yes, because of the perception I had of it. And I think that that is the case for most people. Yeah. And so even today when we hear this is not happening in Delaware, that comes from a place of, of having a misperception of what it is. Mm-hmm. So when we understand and put it in its simplest of terms, that child sex trafficking is the exchange of anything of value for any sex act. That covers a multitude of things, mm. right? That That is happening in our schools today. Um, we have peers trafficking other peers, family members trafficking one another. Um, so it doesn't have to involve a kidnapping. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be sensationalized. Even though those things do happen, um, you don't have to cross a border. Um, it can happen right in, in your own home, as Mandy you know, testified to. But once we have that understanding that it, it can happen online even Mm -hmm. you know so if someone lures a young person online to take part in a sex act of any kind and maybe in exchange they're giving them game tokens for for gaming Mm. that's sex trafficking you know so once we have that perception it kind of opens up things in our minds and our understanding so for any of us who think we might see something happening Mm -hmm. what should we do so there is a, a national hotline. It's, it's, um, it will go to Polaris organization. They are the national watchdog for trafficking. Um, and that's a really easy number to remember because it's 888 on each end and 3737 in the middle. So it's 888-3737-888. That's a hotline. If you suspect it, you don't have to, you know, prove it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> if you, you don't have to leave your name, it's anonymous. Um, you contact them. They will then in turn contact local law enforcement if they deem it necessary. So that would be the first step. Uh, second step is, you know, you definitely can call your local law enforcement. Um, and, and you can call us and we can connect you with, mm-hmm. you know, the appropriate places as well. Um, so there are several steps. If it's a minor, you know, you would want to, to contact um Division of Family Services, DFS. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if it's an adult, uh, Lauren Arnold from Salvation Army is in Wilmington. She has the women's program there. Okay. Mm-hmm. What kind of services do you offer at Zoe Ministries? We 
right now have professional development. We will do that. And we will have, we have uh, awareness. I do a lot of awareness uh, throughout churches, organizations, community organizations. Uh, we have a, a program called Power Over Predators, which is a preventive education for kids. It's designed for schools. We were poised and ready to go into schools and COVID yeah. hit. No. So, um, but we have been circumventing that avenue yeah. and, and going to a lot of youth groups, different organizations trying to get into um, people's place and, and different places in Delaware where youth are. Yeah. Um, so that's a preventive education. We also have an equine mentorship program that I oversee, and that's right now takes place at a farm in Milton, outside of Milton. Mm-hmm. Those are one-on-one sessions. You don't have to be in trafficking or be, you know, uh, struggling with trafficking for to come there. It's We also use that as a preventive program to talk about trafficking, to talk about various topics such as uh, identity and forgiveness and love and value and all the things that we need, right, yeah. as human beings. And that that's for ages 12 to adult, okay. you know, and, um, and we are, will be soon starting a MOXIE mentorship program, and that will be a one-on-one mentorship program um, outside of equine, and that will be statewide. I want to go back and say our equine program is expanding to Townsend as well, so we will have two farms to try and pull kids from the north as well. So equine is horses. Yes, yes. <laughs> so... Uh-huh. Uh, for someone who might not know. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so it's like that's the connecting somebody who just can take care of a horse. I'm envisioning you guys are standing out there grooming a horse <laughs> and having conversation. That's exactly right. Okay. Um, so the horse is a tool and, and horses like dogs are very intuitive to our feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is one of the reasons they make an excellent tool for healing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Yes, we have a, a, a participant, we have a mentor yeah. uh, of the same gender, and then we have a horse. Okay. And um, of we, course. we have discussion <laughs> while we're working with horses, and um, they may learn to ride. It's not particularly a riding program, but that often does happen if that's a yeah. desire. And so, mm. you know, to add to the programs upcoming, we have a residential program that will be for young ladies who have been trafficked ages 12 through 17. Uh, that is based here in Sussex, mm. and we are still going through, you know, construction renovations and licensing. But as soon as all of that is is tied up, we will be opening yeah. that facility. That's um, um, powerful, especially after hearing Mandy's story yes. of the times where she was in that age mm-hmm. and feeling so lost and don't know where to go. Right. Uh, so that we'll be praying that that. Thank you. All of the barriers come down for that. Yes. It's and that it happens. All in God's timing. We yeah. are definitely learning that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mandy, mm-hmm. I wondered uh, what it is that you are excited about right now in life. Um, I'm just excited about so starting school and, um, you know, getting all of the funding for that because it's yeah. very expensive and just giving back. You know, I volunteer with, with Zoe when I can mm-hmm. and giving back to them who's given so much to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've given me my life back. And purpose. You've got yep. purpose in it. May I just add that, um, because I didn't mention this, and, and Mandy is so willing to oversee this. We have, if you go on our website, we have a um, an encouragement ministry. And Mandy oversees that. 
And um, it's for anyone who is a survivor or you don't have to be a survivor. Anyone who just needs encouragement mm. in life, if you sign up through our website, um, she and a couple of other beautiful women volunteers are willing to pray you know over mm -hmm. you and send you encouraging messages and scriptures and songs and yeah, yeah. that's something that that mandy definitely does for us and and uh we're excited about that i love that yeah. mm -hmm. that's perfect for you Mandy. yeah yep. <laughs> yeah so. awesome all right anything else that you want to share it's on your heart no i don't think so just okay. thank you so much for the opportunity and i just pray for anyone out there that you're not alone Mm. Amen. You are not alone. Thank you, Mandy. Thank you. We were never meant to journey alone. Whether you're having a great day or a hard one, we need each other to celebrate and to stand in the gap. Sharing our stories helps remind us that we are not alone. And when we sit with women who sit at the feet of Jesus, the conversations are different. We walk away feeling inspired, not inferior, because we know this Christian walk is a race, but not a competition. I'm your host, Denise Harper, encouraging you to catch up with a friend or make a new one and enjoy some good conversation over the rims of mugs. <laughs>